the end. We're going to be talking about the end. So we are beginning this new series today, and honestly, some will absolutely love what we're talking about, and some will not. And uh, what we're going to do is that we're going to begin this series, and we're going to be digging into the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about the end of time, and about the last days, and about the second coming of Jesus, and about the book of Revelation. A huge part of society, they just really groove on this stuff. They really like talking about the end times. In fact, even a little bit with Hollywood, and you just saw it with the screen here, uh, even Hollywood likes to get involved with that every now and then. And that's cool and that's okay. But there's another part of society that really doesn't appreciate it all that much. They're not excited about the last days. They're not excited about the end of times like others are. And of course, a lot of them are even within the church. Because within the church, we really don't like to talk about this. We don't like to bring up the subject that this world is going to come to an end. And we're going to talk about this over these next six weeks. We're going to talk about what all of this means and how all of this is going to be coming together. And I'm sure, for my life, anyhow, for myself, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle of all of that. I'm in the middle of how people respond to this. There's some people in my life, I've been serving God for 48 years of my life, there's some people who just love the subject. They talk about it all the time. A lot of my good friends have been that way. And then there are others who just don't want to ever talk about it. In fact, I will predict that now that some of you know what we're talking about for these next six weeks, you probably won't come back until week number seven when we're not talking about this anymore. Because for some people, it really is challenging. It really is hard. So let me ask you a question. How many just love talking about the end time? Just give me a quick wave of your hand. Okay, uh, quite a few. Put your hands up. How many would rather not talk about it a whole lot? You can give me a little wave if you want. Of course, you don't want to do that in front of me. But anyhow, <laughs> um, but how many would just say, let's keep going, Pastor. Let's go into this thing. Let's begin. Okay, so we're going to do that. We're going to be digging into the, all of this. When I got saved on July 5th, 1971... When I gave my life to Christ, one of the first things I learned from people who were followers of Jesus, I I learned that Jesus is coming back. I mean, I just learned that he came into this world to save me, and now, almost immediately, I'm learning that, that Jesus is coming back again. He will be back. He will be with us. And uh, I've learned over the years that, uh, you, you know, you, you just have to deal with people however they may think of it, however they may want to be a, a part of all of that. So um, <clears throat> I was told often that you need to be ready because it can happen at any minute. It can happen. And so that tone alone, hearing people talk like that, that you need to be ready, that Jesus is coming soon. And if you're not ready, you're going to be left behind. Those kinds of things, you know, it just doesn't sit well with everybody. There's a, there's a, Part of all of that, the tone of all of that can be a little bit uh, discouraging. And so even just seeing that 96 uh, second uh, uh, clip that we just showed on on this uh, particular movie, it just begins to cause us to ask some questions. And I know if you haven't seen the movie, you really should. It's really a good movie. Um, But the fact of the matter is it raises some questions. And some of those questions would be is how is this all going to happen? When is the end going to actually happen? come? How are we going to know the signs of the end? And listen, my friends, there are all kinds of people that I really know and love very much who are, are uh, theologians, people who are, are dealing with the things of God, who are very sincere, have opinions and thoughts, interpretations of all of this stuff. 
and they have a lot to contribute. And I really, really appreciate that from so many people throughout the whole church of Jesus, all around the world from all generations. But we here at Word of Life, we're going to be, uh, going to be digging into the scriptures, and sometimes we're going to have to go verse by verse with some of this because it's challenging. You, you need to hear it. You need to understand God wants us to be ready. He really wants us to be ready with all of this. So we're going to go maybe verse by verse every now and then. I try, I'll try not to be very confusing, certainly. I don't want anybody to be confused with where we stand here at Word of Life, where the Assemblies of God stands concerning the last days, the end of time. We want to make sure that, that everybody is really understanding all, all of that. And by the way, by the way, um, don't waste your time coming to me during the series and tell me the right way, you know, the right way that God is going to come back and the times and all that other stuff. I love you, I really do, but uh, I am already set into exactly what I believe and what I see. But I also want to let you know I'm wide open. I'm, I'm ready for anything, whether it's a pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib kind of thing that we're going to be dealing with. I'm ready for it all, but I still stand strong with the Assemblies of God, with where we are. We're an Assembly of God church with, with the Assemblies of God denomination, and uh, so don't waste your time or my time trying to change some of our thoughts because we're not going to go there. Uh, but by the way, by the way... Um, during this time of this series, I'm going to be using some different people who are going to help me. I have a list of those who I'm calling on. Of course, I'm calling on our own Assemblies of God doctrine uh, with the Assemblies of God. I also have other pastors that I deeply love and deeply respect, people like Jack Hayford, Craig Groeschel, Jamie Davis, James Davis, John Carter, Pastor John Carter of Abundant Life. I'm going to quote him in just a moment. Uh, I'll be pulling things from all these different ones, Chris Hodges and Jim Cimbala and others. So... Let's begin. Let's begin right now. Jesus is coming again. Let me say it again. Jesus is coming again. How many of you know that Jesus came the first time? How many of you know that? Well, I'm here to tell you, Jesus is coming again. His work isn't over. There's more yet that needs to be done. So let me give you some quick stats. One out of 30 verses in the entire Bible is about the end times and about the return of Jesus. I say it again, one out of 30 verses in the entire Bible is about end times and the return of Jesus. 23 out of the 27 New Testament books talk about the return of Jesus and talks about the end, the end of time. Our series is entitled The End and it's about the end. And also there are three times Three times more prophetic scripture on the second coming of Jesus than of the first. Let this sink in. Let me say it again. There are three times more prophetic scripture on the second coming of Jesus than there was in the first coming of Jesus. So the scriptures say uh, uh, repeatedly, the scriptures say repeatedly, unmistakably, that Jesus is coming again. It says it over and over. He's been here it's a historical fact that he was here. People have seen him that he, when he rose from the dead, it's, it is a fact that he's here or he's already come, but the Bible says he's coming again. In fact, in Revelation chapter 22, you don't need to turn there, but there are um, three different times that Jesus, from the lips of Jesus himself, he says these words, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. It's inevitable according to the, the, ex, the exact perfect timing of God, he will send his son back into this world to do the final work that needs 
to be done. By the way, if you don't have a smartphone or aren't able to follow along, everything will be projected behind me of the scriptures and things that I'm doing and using. Go with me to Acts chapter 1. We find here in Acts chapter 1, Jesus has ascended to heaven, and there's a a crowd that is watching this event taking place as Jesus is ascending. And there are two angels that are standing there, and here's what they say. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, listen, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. So the angel declares immediately what you have experienced, what you have seen, he is coming back. Go with me to John chapter 14, and it says these words, uh, verses one through three. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms, and if that were not so, why would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that that you also may be where I am. In this series, we're going to be dealing with the, the nearness of the rapture. We're going to be dealing with the, the coming of the Savior, the catching away of the church. We're going to be talking about escaping the very wrath of God. And, and we're going to be talking about the op- outpouring of the horrendous and frightful judgment of God that is coming on this world. We're going to talk about that. And when you study this subject in the Bible, and, 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 uh, Um, When you study this stuff and you begin to understand about the things that are coming to an end, I want to let you know that there are, there comes confrontation in this and there comes hope in this. In the midst of talking about the last days, there comes confrontation and there comes hope. Let me first deal with confrontation. I'm going to go back and forth. Confrontation and hope, confrontation and hope. So stay with me as I get through this. So there are, there, first of all, let's talk about the confrontation. The confrontation I'm talking about may even impact some of you who are here today. Maybe you're here for the very first time at Word of Life, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you stopping in at Word of Life. I really mean that. And maybe you're someone who isn't even sure if there is a God. You may be an unbeliever or whatever the case may be, but you're here, and I really, really, really appreciate you being here with us. We're thrilled that you're with us. And I love the fact that you're seeking God, that you would be even willing to walk into a church. I think it's really cool when people do that. So if you have never given your life to to God, let me just say this to all of us, dealing with a bit of a confrontation. Um, If you have never given your life to God or have opened your heart to Jesus, you would be very, very wise to not only consider the days that we're living in. And man, you don't have to look very far. You don't have to watch too much news to know where we are really at in life on so many levels, especially in the United States of America, because that's where we live, but all over the world. It's happening all over the world. So you would be very wise not only to consider the days that we're living in, but also consider the eternal consequences of your choices and your decisions today for both the believer and the unbeliever. You would be wise to understand the consequences of all of that. Even though the Lord's return is still in our future, he's coming again. He's coming soon. And the Bible says we need to be ready. This is no game. There's no game being played here. This is serious stuff. And we need to be ready according to the word of God. So there's confrontation. Secondly, secondly, there's hope. There is a compassionate, life-giving, life-offering call from God himself who desperately, desperately loves you. And it was proven to you and I through what we just did here a few moments ago 
is where Jesus gave his life. He laid down his life that we would remember what he has done for us. Mike, you did a great job with that, by the way. But anyhow, um, that he had proven that through all he has done, all that he has done through Jesus Christ, extending grace and forgiveness and reconciliation to you and to me. He's proven his love. He's proven what he would do, inviting you and me, young and old alike, to freely receive his salvation. And because he desperately loves you and I, in all seriousness, listen to this, in all seriousness, if you keep putting that decision off, if for whatever reason you're waiting for another day, okay, I'm here this Sunday, but I'm going to wait another day or two or a week or two. If you keep putting this decision off as far as opening your life to Christ, receiving what he has done for you, Letting him, his blood that was shed for you forgive you of your sins. Stop working hard. Stop trying to be only a good person so you get to heaven. It's not going to work. you got to put your faith in Christ with what he has done. Somebody give me an amen to that. If you keep putting that decision off and if you decide to wait a little bit longer and if Jesus in those moments calls out the church and the great tribulation begins, the Bible talks about the great tribulation. And if that great tribulation begins and you've missed out, my friend, you are left behind. If you haven't received Christ and this thing all begins to unfold, for those who haven't received Christ, you will be left behind. And then there's another confrontation that you're going to face. In fact, Pastor John Carter of Abundant Life Christian Church, he makes it very clear with what he says in his notes regarding the end times. Pastor John says these words. He says, the day of the Lord will be terrible. It will be a terrible day known as the day of the great winepress of the wrath of God. Found in Revelation chapter 14, verse 19. So the angel, so the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the harvest, the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. That's another confrontation. We're going to see this. We're going to see confrontation and hope. Confrontation and hope. Said that already, but this is another confrontation in which all the wrath of God, all the wrath and the anger of God that is stored up against the sinfulness, the sinfulness of man will be poured out on the Gentile nations. In a moment. In a moment, it's going to happen. In a moment, things are, God has things timed out. God has things that he's ready to do. And in a moment, he will bring judgment on all, all of these kind of things that are going to be taking place. God will defeat and destroy the armies of the earth. He shall discipline the nations because of the great wrath of God that will be poured out. So listen, my friend, listen. If you're if, you're, uh, if you are coddled in the view that God is only, only a, a loving sugar daddy who only is capable of being good and only capable of being kind and being sweet to everybody, then you're going to be horrified. You're going to be frightened as you read and as you learn about uh, all that God is going to do. In those last days, seeing the great and terrible wrath of God being poured out on the earth, I love what Pastor Jack Hayford, friend of mine, pastor out of, of California, Pastor Jack Hayford, Hayford, he says these words, scriptures point out clearly this fury of horrendous and frightful judgment that is going to come to the earth. Found both in Revelation chapter 6 and Revelation chapter 16, describes in great detail, he says, the unthinkable event, the unthinkable event 
of a global earthquake. Let that settle in. A global, a global earthquake, which will be at a dimension that the scriptures make very clear could be caused only by an outside force, that the earth will be impacted and shaken to its core as has not occurred since men have been on this planet. Scholars, believers are, are thinking, are, are saying more than likely the way that this is going to happen, this, this event that's going to be taking place is going to be an asteroid, an asteroid that will rock the earth to its core. In fact, let me read to you the scriptures that declare this is going to happen. In Revelation chapter 16, beginning in verse 17, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it is done. Then, came, then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. I say it again, and a severe earthquake. The quake, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, earth, uh, a tremendous, where am I? I lost my, <laughs> no earthquake like it has ever occurred since mankind has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city was split into three parts and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon, the great, and gave her the cup filled with, with the wine of the fury of his wrath. And every island fled away from the mountains. Uh, excuse me, and every, every island fled away and the mountains could not, could not be found. Again, if you're coddled into the thought that God, the God of heaven is only but a sugar daddy who is only capable of being sweet and kind, then as you begin to learn, we're just introducing this to you today, as you begin to learn and as you begin to hear some of the things of who God is and what he is, it will frighten you. You will be horrified thinking of all that's going to take place in the last days, um, seeing the great and terrible wrath of God being poured out on all of mankind. In 1992, some of you may already know this, um, but in 1992, there was an asteroid that, had the, that was named the QEZ. The QEZ was marked as a credible near miss to the earth. Basically, basically a really big rock is what it is. It's about a mile, it's a, it's a mile point seven in all diameters. It's a big rock coming. Uh, and uh, this is back in 1998. And uh, asteroids, by the, by the, by the way, asteroids hitting the earth were in the Bible long before anything like this began to happen. So in our future, in our future, as we hear of the possibility of an asteroid strike, and we seem to be hearing it more and more on our news in different locations, um, it should be a reminder to all of us. It should be a reminder to this whole thing that we're dealing with. You know what? God has talked about this. God has talked about these kinds. God has hint to all of us, all of this stuff that we find within his word, that there is going to be a global earthquake, a global earthquake. This unthinkable event will, will um, shake this world to its core. And that will happen in the near future. We don't know when. We don't know exactly when those things are going to happen, but we know it's going to. We know that because God says it in his word. And we will not be able to stop it. When this thing takes place, no one will be able to stop this. When that happens, that will be the end of the world as we know it. I don't mean it to be the end of life, but it will be the end of this world, the end of anything that we know to be normal. 
There is a personal confrontation of the, of the present and eternal things of this life and the confrontation of the almighty God in judgment and in wrath against sin and rebellion. Listen, man, I love you. I'm your pastor. Sin is not a joke. Sin is not funny. Sin is not okay with God. I mean, you and I, you know, we sin. I don't know about you, but I still sin. And we need to be serious about this. We need to think clearly about this. We can't just go on with a sinful life and feel like everything's still gonna be cool. I, I don't know all that will happen, but I do know that if you give your life to Jesus, if you would believe on him and trust in him, he will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Can somebody at least help me with an amen? amen. We're not going to be able to stop this. A personal confrontation of the present and eternal things of this life, the confrontation of Almighty God in his judgment and wrath against the sin and rebellion, unlike anything anyone could ever imagine. But in the middle of all the bad news, of all the confrontations, there's hope. There is hope. And in fact, in fact, there is uh, at least uh, there is at least two hopes that we can, two different hopes and different fronts that we can talk about with all of this. Within the assemblies of God, what we call this particular thing is the blessed hope. The return of Jesus is what's called the blessed, the blessed hope. And, and that is when Jesus raptures his church prior to his return to earth. There's going to be this amazing event, and we're going to talk more about this the next two weeks. So you want to be with us, and we're going to dig deeper into all these things. But it's when Jesus raptures his church prior to his return to the earth. The whole teaching of the rapture of the church is the vision and the reality of Jesus himself catching his church away just before what the Bible calls the great wrath of God. Get this in your head. Get this in your mind. I need to be quick. Is the fact of the matter is that this is going to take place in a very wonderful, in a very powerful way. Wonderful for us, but not wonderful for the world, of course. Word of life believers, word of life here, we agree with the assemblies of God. We as believers are, are um, preserved and protected from the wrath of God. In fact, let me give you a scripture to, to give you that. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9, and it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we as followers are not appointed to the wrath. If you're a believer and a follower, you are not appointed to the wrath of God. Give me an amen, please. The Bible tells us that, the, uh, that at the Father's command, at the Father's shout, there will be a massive resurrection unlike anything you could ever imagine. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, I'm going through this quickly because I want to get done as quick as I can. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we, believers, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and we will, and thus we always shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. So, Jesus will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet blast, uh, with the trumpet of God will blast and all of a sudden, all the cemeteries all around this world, many of those graves are just going to bust open. 
at this particular moment. They're just going to bust open on that particular day. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. For those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, that means that that dead, decayed, cremated body will burst through that grave to meet the Lord in the air. And if that is not good enough for you, then how about the, th the thought here that we see within the scriptures? It teaches each and every one of us who have trusted and believed on Jesus, who are born again. The Bible tells us that we who are still alive, uh, that in that moment that Jesus returns, boom, all of a sudden, you and I are going to be caught up together with the dead in Christ, those who broke through the, the graves. Now you and I, if we're still here, we will be caught up together with them and we will meet the one who has saved us and redeemed us and rescued us and be together forever with our Lord and for those who have gone on before us. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Amen. What good news. What good, good news that is. Uh, one, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Go with me there, 1 Peter 4, 7. Nope, I've just gone to the wrong thing. Hold on one second. So there may be those of us who are thinking, okay, so I believe that it's going to happen. You're somewhat convincing me. What do we do? What do we do from here? What do we do? Where do we go? How do we take the steps necessary? What do we do? 1 Peter 4, 7, and it says these words. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious. Be serious, he says. Peter says, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Be serious. Four things and we're out of here. Real quick, number one. And first thing that we're to do is that we're to pray. We're to pray. 1 Peter 4, 7. I just read it to you. I'm not going to read it again. 1 Peter 4, 7. I'm not going to read it to you again because I just read it to you. It says, therefore. It says, therefore, we need to be serious with all of this. Um, I don't know what you think about prayer. But the fact of the matter is, for some people, it's boring. It's, I don't like it. I don't want to do it. I don't pray a whole lot. But I want you to know, on my end, as your pastor, I pray every day. Multiple times a day. I, I, don't want, I, don't want, I don't want no hand cake. That's not my point. But my point is, is that I, I love to go to prayer because when I go to prayer, most of the time I'm weighed down. I'm weighed down with, with issues and needs and decisions and worry and fear. Not just about my own life or my family, but about my church, about you. And so what ends up happening as I pray within a few moments, as I'm praying and seeking God, mostly it's right here, as I'm seeking out and crying out to God, Within a few moments, all of a sudden, the fear, the anxiousness, all of those, they're gone. And I walk out of this room, and I go out there to begin to do what I need to do for that day. I go out there with expectation, hope, faith, wisdom, and I'm ready. I'm ready to do whatever it is that God has called me to do. So you need to be serious about prayer. God understands if you don't like it, and if you don't like it, it's because you're not connecting rightly with him. But when you connect with him, it's a wonderful thing. So pray, be serious about that. Number two, the second thing that we are to do here, according to the scripture, is to focus on our relationships. 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9, and it says these words. So above all things, above all things, have, a have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Listen to verse 9. Be hospitable to uh, one another without grumbling. This is a challenge for some of us. But the Bible's telling us in the last days, one of the things we need to do is be right in our relationships. We need to do what would be right in our relationships. We need to love one another. We need to be kind. We need to be hospitable. The Bible says, and if Jesus returns and he comes as a thief in the night, is what the scripture says, which means it's unexpected. All of a sudden he's here. 
You don't want to be filled with all kinds of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and gossip about family and friends, do you? No, you don't. Nor do I want to be that way. So we find here within the Scriptures, the number one thing that God values more than anything else, anything else, is people. It's people, young and old, good people, bad people, crotchety people. He even loves them. He loves people. To love God and to love people is the number one command, Jesus says. Too many Christians, too many Christians, we allow issues to be more important than people. So we fight and we argue. We, we don't talk to one another. Some of you haven't seen your brother or your sister in years. Some of you are, are still holding anger and unforgiveness. And you don't work at it. So everybody look at me. Look at me eye to eye. Get over it. Whatever your problem is with your family and friends. And listen, I understand all of that very, very well. I've experienced it. But you need to get over it. And Jesus may be coming very soon, and you will have to give an account. I will have to give an account of our lives. And I challenge you to do that. Number three is use your gifts. Use your gifts. 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11. As each of you have received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Use the unique gifts that God has given every one of you. My friend, your, your life is not just made up of going to school, going to work, and paying your bills. That is, the not, that is not the sum total of your life. Your life is about... Is, is your life is about the God of heaven who created you, who loves you, who has a plan for your life, and has uniquely gifted you, uniquely gifted you all to do something for what matters most to God, and that's others. It's people. It's people. Yes, we live on the earth. We have responsibilities and routines. I get it. But you can and you should be using your gifts that God has given you to help others, to serve others. So start by getting into, uh, into a group. There's life groups that are being offered to you today. Get into a group. Get into a group. Maybe you need to lead a group. If not this semester, maybe the next semester you'd be willing to lead. Or maybe you would be one who would host a group. Have one meet in your home. It's, it means so much to get together with a few people in the home. Discover your spiritual gifting. Discover your personality profile. It's already been announced, but today, life path number two, life path number two is going to be at three o'clock this afternoon out there in the lobby. And what that is, is it's going to help you to identify who you are and the giftings that God has given you so that you can serve and you can make the difference in the lives of some other people. So get involved and start serving and start giving and you will uh, lay your head on a pillow at night and man, you're going to feel real good. I want to just read you this story and we'll be done. I got this email on um, August 18th, and, uh, which is three weeks ago. Hello, Pastor Randy. My name is Melissa and I attended your church service yesterday for the very first time. I guess you can call me a seeker. I had mentioned that in my message that day. You, I guess you can call me a seeker. For many years, I have wanted to feel close to God, but I didn't and still don't really know how to do that. So over the last few weeks, I have felt like I needed to really do something about this. 
I started listening to some Christian music and two songs really, <coughs> really caught my attention. One was Haven't Seen It Yet by Danny Gokey and the other is Raise a Hallelujah. Both songs gave me goosebumps and brought tears to my eyes. I have heard about your church, how wonderful it is. So my cousin and I decided and we went yesterday. Immediately, listen to this, listen to this church. Immediately, I felt a sense of belonging. Our greeters, people sitting in here waiting for church to start, people out in a cafe, whoever you may be, they were greeting them, they were welcoming them. We felt a sense of belonging and then the music started and I was brought to tears. Raise a hallelujah was the first song that Sunday. For first time hearing it was the first time here. Raise hallelujah was the first song. And then you spoke and I listened to every word and knew that I needed to be in a church like this. I was raised Roman Catholic and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I never felt like I felt yesterday in your church. I stopped going many years ago because I wasn't getting anything from it. So thank you for showing me the way of learning about God. I would love to come and see you again sometime soon. Isn't that a great story? It's a great story. Stand with me to your feet, please. The fourth and final thing that you, uh, Peter is telling us is that we need to be in right relationship with God. And that's only a decision that you can make, my friend. Nobody can do that for you. Your mother, your father, grandparents can't do that for you. Brother or sister, nobody can do that for you. It's a decision you have to make. So I challenge you right now that you would make a decision to move into a relationship with Christ. Would you please bow your heads and close your eyes? Let me just say this quickly. If you're here today and not have given your life to Christ yet, it's very easy. I'm not asking you to be a member here at Word of Life. I'm asking you to open your life to Jesus. Word of Life can't get you to heaven. Jesus can get you to heaven. So I just want to encourage you with heads bowed and eyes closed for a private moment that you may have. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me and that you would open your life to Christ yourself. And maybe, just maybe, you would, uh, you would want to commit your life fully over to him. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're willing to make a decision to receive Christ, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Be very simple. And I'm going to ask you to repeat what I say. You can say it out loud with your lips. You can mumble it with your lips. You can say it in your own heart and your own mind. But I want to lead you in this particular prayer. So stay with me and pray this prayer if you're receiving Christ today as your Lord and Savior. Say something like this. Dear God, say it again. Dear God, I've messed up. I've messed up and I, I, I know I've done things wrong. And I'm asking you to forgive me. Say that to him. I'm asking you to forgive me. Come into my life. Become my Lord. Become my Savior today. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Now listen, my friend, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer, your sins are forgiven you. They are 100% forgiven you. And if you said that prayer, if you said that in your heart, if you said that aloud, would you just hold up your hand for a moment? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Thank you, sir. I'm not going to do anything like that. I just want to congratulate you. Over here on my right, there's three, four guys, five guys over here. Come on, let's give these people a round of applause. Come on, we thank you for that. We're going to close our final our service with our final song. And uh, as we do that, if you have any needs whatsoever for anything, our intercessors are here. To my right is uh, my brother Mike. No? Okay. Good. I, I can't. I can't. Over here to my right. If you go there, they will give you what we call follow, and it's going to be an opportunity for you to be connected to Jesus in a greater way with a small group. 
one-on-one kind of thing, okay? Sorry. Let's go ahead and do that last song.